0: The with your host, DJ Rome.
1: Hey, welcome to the program, everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet. At the intersection of funk and soul, my name is DJ Rome, and I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Psychotic Bump School after the inauguration. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight oh, we have an amazingly full show. Oh man, it's it's it's, it's been a wild ride. You know, we had to honor my good brother DJ Al Jackson last week. Rest in paradise, my good brother. And uh, we have some incredible guests coming up this evening. Uh, We're going to have the return of our good sister, Casey Phillips Brown. She's a licensed clinical social worker out of Southern California by way of uh, the Bay Area in Oakland. And she's here to talk to us about the mental health implications of what we've been seeing in our politics and how it's impacted all of us. I mean, it's been so much happening in the wake of the election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So Casey Phillips Brown is back to help us put it all into perspective from a mental health standpoint. Also joining us back again is the good brother Eugene Brown. Uh, No relation to Casey Phillips Brown, Eugene Brown is out of uh, Michigan and he's here to break down uh, the announcement of Governor Gretchen Whitmer declaring that what's going on day will now be on January 20th every year. That's right, Marvin Gates. what's going on has been declared a holiday in the state of Michigan by its governor, and uh, Eugene Brown is here to break down what all that means. So that's going to be our show. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer, because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWG, My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bum School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with licensed clinical social worker, Ms. Casey Phillips Brown, after this. are back KCWG, TheTruth.com, this program is called Psychotic Bumps 2 I'm DJ Rome, and ladies and gentlemen, as you know, the world has continued to spin on and on. We have come through an, an historic election season and cycle, and of course, we now have officially inaugurated President Joseph Biden and Kamala Davey-Harris as the 46th president and vice president of these United States of America. Well, it didn't come uh, without its fair share of lumps. Uh, we had a storming of the Capitol. We had the election results contested right up until uh, that inauguration. And we had some really, really disturbing episodes occurring uh, right in, in front of our face and our and our, you know, our what's supposed to be our most treasured institutions. You know, as the election is being certified. So it's been a while since I've talked to you all about it. And I'm just wanting to get a little perspective because y'all know what I've been dealing with lately. Uh, So I wanted to bring in uh, someone from what I call affectionately uh, the Mental Health Army. They have certainly been a blessing to me and they've been a blessing to you all, hopefully. Uh, this good sister is a licensed clinical social worker out of Southern California. She's the author of the book called, We Just Said No, and I am so proud to welcome her back in the brand new year of 2021. Let's go. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Casey Phillips Brown. Miss Brown, are you there?
0: Hey there, how's it going?
1: Oh, it has been tumultuous, but we remain resolute. How about you? Yes,
0: we do. Yes, we do. Uh, There's been so much happening in this world. Yeah, you know, personally. So just trying to breathe through all of this is the biggest challenge, I think, for most of us is finding a moment to sit and just breathe, step out of it for a moment Mm. and just reconnect with what is really important and reconnect with ourselves We connect with whatever higher power, higher power that we, you know, believe in Mm -hmm. and just trying to slow it down because man, just the introduction of what you're talking about as you were recapping and Mm -hmm. it sounds like somebody had recapped from a, a year that's been the last It's beginning for <laughs> the exactly. last few weeks, just of January. Yes. So, yeah, as you're talking, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. That all happened in a week or two. In a week <laughs> or two. Man. Absolutely. so, I mean, yes. you, yeah,
1: when you think about it like that, it is incredible because we actually are finally past the, the Trump administration. We're on the other side of it now. And he's been deplatformed. And so his uh, social media presence has been substantially diminished but nevertheless, the lingering effects of what he has laid bare in in his wake, in his absence, uh, he burned the house down on his way out and he really tried to literally overthrow the government. So I'm just wondering uh, if you could take me back a little bit, You know, I'm kind of getting caught up on things, Casey Phillips Brown, and you're one of the ones that help us uh, reach a level of levity and balance with all of these issues Competing for our attention and our peace of mind. So, I'm wondering what were your thoughts when you were seeing uh, what was happening just prior to Kamala and Joe being sworn in and them storming the Capitol as they're trying to certify the elections? I'm wondering what thoughts went through your mind. Uh, What was your feeling uh, witnessing the absolute abdication of the rule of law from the side that's supposed to be? Uh, staunchly in favor of that. Uh, what were your thoughts, Casey Phillips Brown? Can you share with us a little bit?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I honestly, my I, my mind was blown. My mind was blown. I had to take a moment and just check reality to see if I was seeing what I was seeing. And then I was like, you know you're seeing what you're seeing. This is not new. This is nothing, you know, right. we are we are treated differently. So it's funny because I was technically at work and the, the TV <laughs> happened to be on on right. the, like the right side and mm. my right eyeball looked and saw people start going past the, poli- the Capitol Police and walking up. And it was just a moment where I was just like, is this really happening? Mm. I had to just honestly check myself. And yeah, it was. And I think for most Black people, most people I spoke to, what the feeling was, you saw it and you're like, wait a minute. And then it was like, yeah, because if it was a a, a mainly um, minority led protest, let's just say a protest, Mm -hmm. you're going to have all the guards there all the ammunition all the guns all the protection you can't even like it's funny how people were not funny but interesting how people were you know showing the picture from when they were guarding other monuments and just statues and all the presence that was there Mm -hmm. but for this you had all those people and just very few guards or or, Mm -hmm. you know capitol police and it just it was a it was so disrespectful i think that's a one of the first after the disbelief that we could all see it because it's not disbelief that it happened but de- disbelief that the world was seeing it but then it was just disrespectful and hurtful I think a, a, many black people that I spoke uh, spoke to felt just the hurt of if that was us it would mm. have been nothing but bloodshed nothing but we just all and, and so that part initially is what you're going through right you're watching it and you're the PTSD of so many things that have happened to us or for people who've done nothing but walk or sleeping in their bed, getting shot up, but people who are actively fighting police officers, breaking into the Capitol building mm. and they're just let through. Mm. So first you have that. So that's one of the things you go through. And then we're, Black people, we go straight into, well, we, we, we're survivors, right? We, we gonna have our, our defense right. mechanism, which is humor. And then the memes started flowing. And so then I mm-hmm. feel like so many of us I laughed so hard that day I I could not tell Mm. you how much joy I was able to get from my brothers and sisters who were just sending things which was really rooted in our pain right you know this was us this is what it would have been like or just showing the different things that you know people making skits or jokes it Mm -hmm. really helped with my mental health I know that day and so many other people because again it started off with disrespect and it was disgraceful Mm. and it was just Hurtful that we know good and well that we would not have been treated that way and that we are not treated that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, uh, you know, Brianna Taylor, who is asleep in her bed and is shot multiple times and gets no medical assistance. Mm-hmm. And then you have other people who drive across country, go to the Capitol, and their people, the officer saying, Hey, you cannot come in here, comes in, gets shot, and gets medical care. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 a, we could be innocent and we're treated Like we're criminals. People who are doing criminal activities are treated like they're, they're like human. They're yeah. So it's like, we, it, it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was a lot of emotion that day. Um, it was very hard to stay focused and working. And I you know, uh, again, most of my, my friends are professionals and they were just like, the, the text messages were flowing. I mean, who could work when you're mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. your pain be displayed for the world? And it is our pain. It's. It's, hey, we've been telling you all that it's different for us. We've been telling you all it's different mm-hmm. for us. And so you want to have, so the mixed emotions were, were, were amazing because you want to feel, yeah, we're validated. See, see, look, mm-hmm. we told you, but it's not the time to talk about, it. I told you when you know if it was us, we would be different. So then that hurt comes in. So it was just a very mixed bag um, as we watched that, uh, the Capitol uh, insurrection with the terrorist attack. So. It was very, very mixed bag of emotions
1: sure was and I'm glad I'm not the only one that had the tv on as they were working because I had to cancel my appointments for the rest of that afternoon I felt bad doing it because I you know I I had somebody that I was shadowing me so I I didn't want to do that but at the same time it's like I couldn't concentrate I'm like look at these characters okay well well yeah
0: yeah and it comes from this our mistrust of this country and how we've been treated. I, I actually had to send a, I sent a message to my, my director at one of my jobs just to kind of explain what I was going through. I didn't take off work and I, and I kept doing my job, mm-hmm. but it was, there was a part of me that I had for the rest of the evening, I had to keep my TV on. I could not go away from it because we can't trust what will happen in this country. We And there was another, someone made a, a meme that said something like, we know, because as we watch those angry faces and that energy, we know that's the energy of lynching. So mm. I got to watch and make sure that they don't go from marching into the Capitol building to going, snatching Black people up off the streets Come on. And hanging them. So I I have a mistrust. So I had to just, well, I had to keep my eyes open. I had to make sure. So I did a couple other things and then I, for the rest of the evening, people are like, oh, just turn off the TV. Oh, no, no. I want to mm-hmm. see where this is going and how this is going to be contained. And yeah. that's part of the PTSD, the, the post-traumatic, uh, you know, we talk about slave syndrome, but just the PTSD mm-hmm. that we have in this country that we can't just feel like, oh, it's over. It's contained. Everything's fine now. Mm-hmm. We've really seen this historical, I don't want to call it anger, misbehavior, this destruction Mm -hmm. brought back, but in the open, because it's been there. It hasn't gone anywhere in all these years we've had it, but Mm -hmm. now it's out in the open and how do you contain it and bring it back? So emotionally, as uh, Black people in America, it's very difficult to watch these things happen and not wonder, is it going to go back to what's going to happen next?
1: I couldn't agree more. What's new? More. Yeah, absolutely. It's triggering. It's very triggering because it harkens back to all of the ugliest aspects of our history in this country. And we, we know that this country has not loved on Black folks the way Black folks have tried to love on this country, for sure. Now, being in California, I mean, I'm wondering how shocked were you? I mean, we know that a lot of the insurrectionists were in law enforcement. We know that they were just let in. I mean, it looked like they were opening the gates to Disneyland, that they didn't Mm -hmm. try to stop them from storming the Capitol. But it's been revealed and continues to be revealed as they're now doing arrests, you know, after the fact. And you know, by the way, I'm not impressed by that one bit because as you said, had it been black folks out there protesting and brown folks Mm -hmm. and they would have been arrested. They would have been arrested on the spot or killed or or
0: murdered or killed or murdered yeah yeah Yeah.
1: did you see over the weekend in tacoma washington police officers barreled their police car through a crowd of protesters ran over people a police car did that okay
0: no i didn't see that
1: yeah that's but i'm not
0: surprised Uh,
1: yeah i mean they they know who they perceive to be a threat and who they consider to be a friendly okay they call them friendlies all right and when that happens, it, it, it's really hard to hide the, the hypocrisy. So I kind of lost where my question was going at the moment. Well,
0: yeah, uh, you were talking about um, we're not surprised who was all involved. Mm-hmm. And I think it leads back to, again, the mistrust. And it's hard to keep have healthy mental health when you can't trust the people right. who are supposed to be in positions to protect you. Mm-hmm. So, I, I believe a majority of us weren't surprised that they were off duty officers and a former military who were military, involved. Yep. And the fact that they had to really, which they should be doing anyway, but investigate and really search through the National Guard before assigning them to protect uh, now yeah. President Biden and President uh, Vice President Harris, because they need to make sure, you know, everyone, you know, no one was going to do something and, and, and be a double agent. That's that's really scary to, to, to know. I mean, and it's just, and it, it, we're vetted. made to feel like we're crazy. Yeah, vetting, we made it feel like we're crazy to not trust people, but you, they have to do this. They just told but, us they had to vet people who are supposed to be protecting. So but yeah. Casey
1: Phyllis Brown, you, you, you're an LCSW. I mean, you didn't just get that in six months, okay? I mean, <laughs> right. to get that, right. you had to go through fingerprinting, background check, they call references and you had to go through schooling and training and Exams. Exams and you know (laughs) that they cause you to they put a mirror before you to make sure you were checking your own bias because you they knew you going into this line of work, you're going to be dealing with people with all types of political alliances that you you can't bring that into your sessions. But nevertheless, you had extensive training. Now, what's so different about law enforcement and military that they're able to well again, it goes back to who's perceived to be a threat because Mm If it comes down to uh, a friendly that is objecting to the way this country is run, I mean, they're not perceived to be uh, anybody that is hostile. And that's a problem because when when we see such a blatant display of that hypocrisy on display, uh, it's just very disturbing. Um, well and
0: they see their family members they see their nephew they see their son yeah. and they see that you know that's my uncle larry over there
1: yeah exactly what about the police officer that was getting crushed and mm. him screaming for his life and you know mm. begging for some air and then all of a sudden uh people see that and you know these these congressmen and women you know are showed up at the capitol to protest the election results being certified and then even after that you know, some of them had a sobering uh, call to Jesus moment and said, you know, I cannot now in good conscience contest these election results and I'm withdrawing my objection. Okay, some of them had a sobering moment, but, you know, I'm not impressed with that either. So, because it, it no. shouldn't have even gotten to that point. But no. George Floyd was begging for air too. And it didn't cause the the, the the mass response of some of these people to to extend a little bit of grace and humanity, but let a white cop, you um, be suffering and he lived <laughs> he well well,
0: that. the other cop who they were beating with the blue lives matter flag mm, and he yeah, said the that. thing that saved him is that he did fo- focus on humanity of hey i have children hey i have you know i have a family and then that's when people let up and and kind of gave him some space to breathe and try to protect him some uh, I, that hurt my feelings when i heard that too because i thought of how many people mm. f- have been killed and no one cared about their family member oh, right. or humanity. It is, I think mm-hmm. it's difficult, when you, again, when you bring it back to mental health, I've been seeing clients ongoing and some were having the anxiety of what's gonna happen next. So it's been, it's like we've been in a state of anxiety, first of all, this year. Then you go into the election you figure, okay, it's going to be over, right? We're going November 4th at the latest is gonna be over. But no, it dragged and then just the contesting and this the, the filing the court cases. So the anxiety continued to keep going. We think, okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna go ahead and get the electoral colleges. Uh, we're gonna, Pence is gonna just do his little ceremonial thing and mm-hmm. it's over. No, now there's a terrorist attack and an insurrection. So it yep. was uh, ongoing anxiety. And so I have, yes. uh, we, I was in, in talking to a client, we both had anxiety of trying to schedule an appointment for the 20th and being worried will we be able to focus with something happen on the 20th. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not speaking for all Americans. There was a lot, there was a great deal of Black Americans, Americans who have been in a state of high anxiety, definitely Absolutely. from November 4th until January 20th. Right. And then for, right, and so for some to feel like it's not even okay now, we don't know what's going to happen. Now that he's out of office, he doesn't have a, a public platform, but there's other ways to talk. And now he may mm-hmm. have more reign to do other things because he's not contained mm-hmm. by the office. So the mm-hmm. anxiety and the stress continues while we're living in a pandemic. We're having people mm-hmm. who we love die from COVID. Oh, we're yeah. having people, I had unfortunately a, a relative of mine in Canada passed away two weeks ago. She's uh, my, my great aunt, she fell and hit her head mm. and and so, no, it wasn't COVID related, mm. but because of COVID, I couldn't see her at the family reunion that, that was just that happening in in July, and that. I couldn't see her at the family barbecue that they have in Vancouver because it was canceled, and yes. I couldn't see her at the Christmas Eve annual party that they have because, as an American, I'm banned, and because mm-hmm. my Canadian family didn't have it because you know they want to protect the elders in our family. So, mm-hmm. and now I can't go to her funeral or memorial service exactly because of COVID. So it's like we have been inundated with trauma already mm-hmm. and then this year is just exasperated the funniest meme I saw was someone that said 2021 is just 2020 with bangs meaning yeah. he just cha- just changed the hair yes <laughs> so we're just being continuously traumatized and so how are people being able to come out of this How are people being able to find their peace when things have been so upsetting and so traumatizing? So a lot of the work I've been doing is really trying to help people stay in the here and now. As of today, there was not a, a successful terrorist attack or a successful Mm -hmm. insurrection as of today our democracy is still held as of today we are still fighting the good fight there are still people trying to make things right in this world so really trying to say the truth and be accurate to yourself because Mm. right now the trauma is coming from all different directions the trauma of the financial trauma Mm -hmm. people who have met we when this happened we thought maybe lockdown two weeks right maybe maybe a month We're coming up on March. This is the end of January. So some people have been blessed to be able to make it through this financially, but others are struggling. These food lines, the homelessness... Mm-hmm. Uh, p- suicide so mm-hmm. there is so much trauma that we are experiencing so it is so important to carve out your peace during this time yes you, you people I know someone's probably saying well you just sat here for the last 20 minutes talking about all the trauma I know we gonna we have to mention it at some point so we can know what is happening right but once you mm-hmm. hear about it it's okay to go to of to no, say a separate room or a space and just really take time to reflect on what you do have, reflect on mm-hmm. what is going well, and reflect on the previous skills that you use to get you through similar situations. We this mm-hmm. is not the first trauma that America or black people have experienced. And we have survived. That's right. So it's extremely important for us to go, okay, 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 how did I survive last time? It's kind of like if you mm-hmm. were dieting and that you've fallen off, then you go, all right, but I lost weight before. What did I do? So mm-hmm. really sitting down and writing down your coping skills, what are the things that have brought you peace um, in previous times? Mm. And, and 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 really and being and being clear to, and I, I like to I like writing things down because of seeing things really helps it to get embedded in your spirit to me. Like you get to see in black and white, okay, this is what I've done before. All right, okay, I, I have that skill. Mm. I can do this. I, I think a lot of the anxiety comes from a feeling of um, helplessness and hopelessness yes. of I can't handle this. I won't, I won't be able to deal with this. Right. And I would say the majority of people have gone through em- amazingly painful things mm. and it may have taken a while, but you've come through it. Mm -hmm. You've come through it. And so it's important when you're having these moments to go. I've had hard times before. I've had moments of stress and anxiety and grief and loss before. And I Mm -hmm. made it through. Mm -hmm. How did I make it through? Let me try this. Let me try those things again. And then really trying to get additional coping skills if you can. Yeah. So listening to people like you, the fact that you bring in your mental health army to help equip our people with skills, I truly appreciate it. I don't see this as much as we should be seeing it. So just uh, thank you for always addressing it.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for saying that because it's important because the the messages and recommendations that y'all be bringing forth on this show, I try to incorporate and implement into my daily practice because I need it. And as much as I agree with everything you just said, I side by side with that, acknowledging how deeply unchartered these waters feel at times, while we have familiar coping, um, you know, tools we can pull from that, uh, that quiver, it feels like there's such a Venn diagram of uh, layered stress and trauma uh, these times, because, you know, the way you described it, like, this is just 2020 with bangs in 2021. <laughs> I mean, that it, it feels like 2020 <laughs> never left. I mean, we, we we just lost uh, the great broadcaster Larry King. We just mm-hmm. lost three legendary figures in the sports world. Uh, Don Sutton, Tommy Lasorda, two Dodger, LA Dodger legends. And yeah. uh, of course, the incredible hammering Hank, uh, Hank Aaron. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's we have constant reminders of uh the 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 day and times and stresses that uh continue to impact us so i'm just grateful that you're able to make some time and still find a way to to find some joy because being able to highlight those things that you are grateful for to to the fact that there there has been no attack today i mean it's the little things Mm -hmm. and you know Mm -hmm. just Getting, in, getting yourself into the habit of being able to notice those things and celebrate those things and giving yourself those flowers in those areas of your life. because I tell you, the, the, the main story of with them trying to certify the election on January 6th, I, I know I keep going back to that uh, when we had that insurrection. It was like the main story was supposed to be that the Democrats flipped the Senate you know. But for, that, was, for, that was the for, story.
0: Uh, 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 for while, <laughs> why not get us? I mean, you, you, you yes. get a whole bunch of, yay, we quit. We had no time to celebrate. <laughs>
1: exactly. I mean, the sisters down in Georgia, the brothers too, but they put in the work not only to flip that state, to turn that state from red to blue, but they did the impossible, Casey Phillips-Brown. They, in a runoff election, Democrats never win those. I mean, never. And you had... Uh, Raphael Warnock going up against Kelly Leffler, uh, owner of a WNBA team, who I, I just recently found out she's going to be selling that team. Hopefully, and that will do her the, the players on her team uh, great service because they, mm-hmm. they want her gone. And then you have uh, John Ossoff, who ousted David Perdue. David Perdue was, uh, you know, a uh, died-in-the-wool Republican, a more traditional Republican compared to uh, Kelly Leffler. And John Ossoff, who was who had lost every race up until that point them and that was supposed to be the story and like you said it's like with all of this layered uh distraction it's hard to appreciate the things that are really important the 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 joys the accomplishments and that is the goal of distraction i mean this outgoing occupant was such a chaos agent that throwing things against the wall to see what would stick knowing that it had no merit knowing that mike pence had no power to do anything but Open the envelopes and count the votes. I mean, that's all he was good for—creating distractions and, sadly, uh, ousting that 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 spirit of negativity from our systems and just evicting him from living rent-free in our minds and, and souls. So much is the the task of mental health experts like yourself, and uh, I can't thank you enough. Sharing your insight with us. Either you got it or you don't play ya, you either get it or you won't stay up. Remember.
2: Either you got it or you don't play ya. You either get it or you won't stay up. Remember, money and power equals respect. Best I kept your check for niggas and check with respect. From love or fear, however become feel the power in your honorage and your level one, take two. Money and power equals respect. Stack up your chuck with naked same check respect. From love of fear, however it comes. Feel the power in your com to change your life of One take two. Money and power equals respect. Stack up the chucks, but make it some check with respect. From love fear, however, come. Yeah, this is yeah. Jeff Keller from the Poacho Hour Power and KPFK 90.7 FM. And you're listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGthetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> mm. What's up everybody? This is Sai Smith and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWG thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Don't play what the public wants. He plays what he wants. want the
1: What you want, come on, tell me what you want, I mean you, but what you want, come on, tell me what you want, Where well, you need it, straight, no chaser, On the Rocky Mountains, with flavor, loneliest month, the way he had to play, played it right the first time, there was no second take, cause, uh, at night, no
2: spirit limiting, back in town, he's playing don't blame me, cause back in the day, Duke Ellington, Charlie Parker, creating bebop, right in your face, Ugly Beauty, right on the stage, The loneliest month. Innovator rights away, yeah We wouldn't
1: have what we got today He racked the time of chord Jassy, can I calculate? Huh? We made the song just to celebrate the greatness of the hope that we appreciate, yeah, yeah KCWG, program's called Psychiatry Bump School. I'm DJ Rum. I'm running my mouth because I'm happy to be back. And I'm also happy to be joined by the incomparable licensed clinical social worker, the good sister, Casey Phillips Brown out of Southern California. All right. Well, before we let you go, I want to riff on a couple more things with you because where are we going from here? Because as much as I've tried, and I've said it many times on this show that I would prefer not to have to comment so extensively on politics, but the world of politics has invaded our space in the world of mental health. And so it's made it inextricably necessary to comment on these things so that we can find ways to cope with it and analyze it and understand it. So uh, we have a sister from Oakland as our vice president. All right. We Oakland. Have, and yeah, and I
0: know you like to forget that I, I have the Oakland connection. I'm that's right. A a Thank a you. Yes. I Thank went to school you. in Oakland. I lived in Oakland. On. I mean, I'm from this, I'm, I'm from Southern California and the Bay Area, but go ahead. There we go. We have a sister just, from just Oakland. Let y'all know.
1: Yep. <laughs> just just want to let y'all know one more again that Casey Phillips Brown is uh <laughs> Oakland resident. That's what's up.
0: Okay. <laughs> Oakland and, and Southern California. <laughs>
1: Oakland and Southern California. Okay. Let it be known. But I mean, just talk to us a little bit about the pride that you feel with that and how you're going to assess her time in office uh, serving with Joe Biden, your expectations for this administration, knowing that there is a high level of distrust with both parties from some people who don't see any distinction between Democrats and Republicans who just oppose the entire idea of democracy. And uh, by the way, before you respond, uh, there's been a lot of protests that the right- wing networks have been uh, reporting upon that have occurred in Portland, Oregon as well as Seattle and Tacoma, Washington. and that's where the police officer ran over those uh, demonstrators. Okay, so those are reportedly antifa uh, protesters, reportedly. Now there's, there's there's more to be said about who is actually involved, but when I see the camera, I don't see no black folks out there. I'm not saying they're not out there, but I'm just saying, when they try to lump all of that with everything that is not Republican or not conservative, it does a disservice to people who are really trying to do work on behalf of uh, finding justice and equity for Black folks. So can you talk to us a little bit about what your expectation is for this administration as a mental health worker, as a sister from Oakland, and as a a Black woman living in this new administration, the 46th of the United States, Ms. Casey Phillips-Brown.
0: Exciting. It's exciting. Um, I really appreciate, first of all, um, with with uh, Vice President Harris, just again, the Bay Area connection. I appreciate the fact of, you know, uh, the Canada connection. My, my mother and grandmother were bo- both born in Canada. The HBCU mm-hmm. connection, Howard, yes. Knox, Atlanta University. Come on. Um, and then I love the fact how she acknowledges and uh, shows love and uh, to my, my store, um, Shirley Chisholm. And the the fact that she is walking, you know, for those who led, it's our ancestors come up and they do things. And then it's our responsibility to push it forward. Mm -hmm. So I I love the idea. uh, And the fact that she, she openly talks about how, because of Shirley Chisholm, here she is now. So I'm extremely Mm -hmm. excited about the presidency. Um, I, I hope that they take into consideration all of the feedback that they're given from those who brought them through. Not mm-hmm. everyone, like you mentioned, not everyone was for um, Vice President Harris or for President Biden. Mm-hmm. They, that was not the first choice. But I think people got together and stated, we, we can no longer have what we have now, and it has to, it, this has to stop. And so there was not, it wasn't a full party, yay, we love and want to support you mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It was Some people were like, we're going to do this to make America better. Mm -hmm. But the expectation is that you still hear where we're coming from and that you're still going to make the changes and push forward some of the agendas that we believe in, too. So I'm really excited about any type of, of course, criminal justice reform. That's really important to me as a social worker. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that whatever influence they can have and making things a priority, calling out racism, calling out. Uh, issues in the legal justice system. To that's where I think we, they're gonna need to go to to make sure the people who weren't as excited about voting for them mm-hmm. stay supporting them. Because just because we voted you in, that does not mean we can't vote you out next time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's this is not a done deal. It's not a done deal. So I think there is that pressure. Um I'm hoping everyone will come into it with just positivity of, all right, let, let us see. It's only been, what, a few days. <laughs> Let's see what they're going. hasn't been a full week yet, right?
1: Thank you. And but you there's know, so
0: many people who are ready to, they're watching. They're watching. Already.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they're already talking about 2022 and 2024. They're already saying that the, the Democrats are going to lose the House and probably the Senate. I mean, you can't even enjoy anything. And that's, that's this perpetual anxiety you were talking about earlier, that this is just Uh, a temporary repeat or reprieve from, you know, a deeper backdrop of uh, perpetual ongoing anxiety, it's frustrating because you can't even enjoy the moment. And that's Mm. definitely antithetical to what you're trying to share with us today. It's like, don't fall for that. It's like, look, enjoy it, you know, check but verify, trust but verify, you know, we're not going to give you a free ride, Biden and Harris, we're not. And we're certainly not, well, I don't think we should hold them to an unfair standard either and expect them to fix all this mess in two days (laughs) of executive orders. And so that's what I'm worried about, because they didn't even give Barack Obama and Joe Biden a chance uh, back in 2008 during their two terms, because it was Barack Obama at the top of the ticket. And so because of that that sense that uh, maybe he didn't go hard enough for Black folks, it's like, there's been a lot of people, as you just said, that were skeptical about you know, trusting them this time. But in the interest of making the country better, as you said, uh, maybe some of them did have to hold their nose and pull the lever for Biden-Harris. But can you talk a little bit more? I didn't realize you were an HBCU. So-
0: CAU, the, Clark Atlanta University, well, class of we'll 94 ta- and 96.
1: Well, break that down. So just the fact that we have an HBCU in the White House- I mean, uh, come on, oh, what, what does that it's mean? Everything. It's what does everything. that do for you? I mean, come because
0: on. Because you have high school counselors, you know, trying to deter students from attending HBCUs and people making a comment, you know, it's not the real world. It doesn't prepare you for the real world. Oh, really? We now have Vice President Harris. We have Sir uh, Keisha Lance Bottom, mayor. We have right. um, <laughs> we have Stacey Aram yes. Spellman. So again, uh, Mayor uh, Bottoms, fam, you. You have uh, hmm. now uh, what, the Senator Warnock, Morehouse. Oh, don't Come tell on. us what the power of the HBCU love, what exactly. we can do, what we cannot do. Right. Um, so it was extremely exciting. I'm a big um, supporter of my um, alma mater, Clark Atlanta University, uh, you know, Kenya Barris, Blackish, and uh, we always mm-hmm. like to tease Spike Lee and um, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, mm-hmm. because yes, you guys went to Morehouse, but we all have the same mass com teacher, Dr. E. That's who you had to take you, y'all took y'all classes over at Clark College and got your got your Mass Comm education from Dr. E. So we're all it's all about that mm. Clark College Love, which is of course one of the parent institutes um along with Atlanta University of Clark Atlanta University. So um for HBCU alums, it just everything, all the negative information you're given about being educated in a black environment. Mm. We we first of all we don't believe it anyway, but mm-hmm. now we Oh, so someone made it to the, to the vice presidency with mm-hmm. HBCU education. Uh, my my great aunt came over from Canada as a young girl, as a young woman, and went to Howard and got her education there as well. So this is—I've uh, always known it was possible, um, and I've always believed in the power of HBCUs. But this is now the world knows it. So I get it's, it, mm-hmm. one good thing about 2020. They people kept saying in in 2019, 2020 is going to be. Great vision, great vision. It's going to be about great vision. It's to, you know, you're going to be clear vision. We are seeing so many things now that have um, been pushed under the rug and made to seem not good, or so, or or that things were good. Our mm-hmm. eyes are opening. So, the, yes, mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that we get more HBCU enrollment. The idea of Deion Sanders uh, now over uh, Jackson State University coaching that's making more athletes oh. come over there okay. um, I have a I have a singer. my son just graduated actually last week um, early from oh my son who is the mm. basis of my book we just said no treating ADHD without medication who mm. we had so many difficult with in in, uh, middle school and beginning of high school and we had to get the chiropractor and change his diet he just graduated early last week with straight a's um, excellent gpa from his uh, homeschool charter uh, independent study program and so again it's funny i took it back to my book but (laughs) he actually was accepted into jackson state university and so that's one of our 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 options right now and of course uh, we're we're looking to (sighs) Looking at Clark Atlanta, of course, too, but Jackson State, of and Elizabeth City, he was um, he was uh, already accepted, and it's again we we struggled so hard, but because we took such great effort to really address his uh, the ADHD symptoms without just without a uh, without a diagnosis, without IEPs, without um, medication or special mm-hmm. education services, but mm-hmm. really seeing him as a person he is and and putting his strengths first. And then getting mm-hmm. him a home school environment that uh, that best uh, met his needs. So excited of our outcome that now again not only graduated but graduated early. And we and there were some people I know who felt he probably would you know have a difficulty, had a difficult time even graduating. So so excited and that HBCUs are his first choice right now. He wow. may be at a, a junior college or community college due to COVID and you know things are a little mm-hmm. crazy right now. So we may start off at a community college, but the goal is to attend a HBCU as well. So I'm really happy with um. Vice President Harris um, being able to promote the excellence of HBCUs mm-hmm. and hopefully more people will go that route.
1: Your son has straight A's.
0: Oh, yeah. He's had it for the uh, last few semesters. Straight A's. We uh, They have to at least get a 90 percent. Keep going till you get it. So, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm.
1: That is an amazing story. And that's why I always bring you back here, because your book, We Just Said No, just lays it out. Because the what individual education plans are supposed to, or they're supposed to individualize you know, their, their services. But it, it's hard to, you still feel like a number. You still don't feel like they always meet the needs of your particular child. And nobody knows your child better than you know, his parents. And so the cookie cutter approach is not always effective. And it's certainly not the answer across the board. And you have proven that with the success of your son. How exciting. How exciting. Very,
0: very exciting. I'm, yes, I'm sorry. I should have gave you an update. It's all, it's well, all yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, that's, that's yeah. why you're here. and we, we need to hear that. Well, well
0: I, I do want to, um, before we end, I do want to go back mm-hmm. to, I, I hear you that we do want to start off positively and we want to make sure uh, people are giving, you know, President Bi- uh, Biden and Vice President Harris a, a chance. Mm-hmm. However, we do want to also um, acknowledge that people have had a great deal of trauma these last four years. Mm-hmm. And, and and in general, in America, Americans politics, right? So, mm-hmm. and our government hasn't always been there. So it's, I think I, I personally feel it's okay to keep one eye open. Yes, celebrate yes. the brand new day. And yes, it's only been a few days, but let's keep our foot down and like, hey, what are we doing? Let's stay on the agenda. Let's make sure human rights are really put at the forefront mm-hmm. of this administration um so let's hope hopefully it will continue to happen i'm excited about it and Mm -hmm. i I wish them the best because to me they like like, it's funny some people said this at the beginning of uh, in 2016 you know if he fails if he succeeds america succeeds and so i don't know how it worked out i i really have to reflect on that statement now i just said it but i gotta really sit and reflect on it but Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say it now if biden and harris succeed we succeed so
1: I mean, 81 million plus people would agree with that and are in favor of that. And I think it would have been a whole lot more uh, for it, not for all the voter suppression and trickery and nonsense. I don't think that election was close. I really don't. I don't think it was as close as 7 million votes. I don't think so. I don't Mm. think the outgoing occupant got 71 million votes or however, 74 million. I don't think he got that many legally because they tell you right in front of your face that they're okay with cheating and voting twice and- uh, suppressing votes, and again, you know, understanding that people don't trust both parties. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's people who say that there's voter suppression in the Democrat side, and look, I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna land with this because I, I know we got to go. But my thing is, as bad as you think the two party system is, as bad as you think Democrats are, and sh- you know, there's, there's no clear discernible difference between the two parties. Well, you point. Show me, show me in history where when a democrat was in office we had to wear masks in public. Show me a time when we had the schools all shut down. Show me a time under a democrat, show me a time when the economy crashed under a democrat, show me a time when you couldn't go to church mm. under a democrat. Show me a time when you couldn't be with your loved ones when during their last hours, which a lot mm. of us have experienced now. Show me a time when mm-hmm. that happened under a Democrat, and then maybe I'll begin to believe you. Because if you continue to say, even at this point, that the hood didn't look no different under Barack Obama compared to Trump, mm. therefore you don't <laughs> trust Biden and Harris now, if you say that to, to me today, you might have to see these hands. <laughs> that you are not paying attention, and you're being lazy.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I'm
1: sorry. I, I, I got a I didn't expect
0: you're gonna go another direction i was
1: about i I was about (laughs) to end this segment but it's like i i get triggered when i think about people just being you know just
0: yeah
1: politically you know somewhat engaged and definitely astute you know as i I respect differences of opinion but don't distort reality i mean there is a clear difference trust but verify yeah democrats they do their dirt too but we are never ever Mm. this bad off under democrats I, I was
0: I was I was battling back and forth with a class uh, a classmate who kept trying to do this okay we need to unify so we have to hear both sides and you know you're you know you're the democrats are just like them and I had I had it, it mm. almost caused me like you said go to hands like it just I, I almost snapped it yes. was the idea of this is a different situation and this person yes. is putting kids in cages this person is uh, siding with uh, with um white supremacy like it was it's not the same it's not. and i and i'm I, I might have to go ahead and join you over on that side like i said i didn't want to be go, i didn't want to go there the but yeah. if, if you tell me to my face was that everybody's like no They're no not. this was different this was different okay. and I, my fear is that it is awakening some awakened this idea in others who now see how many people in america feel this way mm-hmm. and now they just need to be smarter than him you slide in better, See, and now you can part. just steal and steal his base. So, we there need to go. strongly put our foot down and say this was inappropriate. This was yeah. disgusting. This was un American, and this will not yeah. be tolerated. Like, That's we need right. to put it down because if you leave any leeway, someone mm-hmm. else is gonna, pa- they're gonna pass the torch.
1: Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bum School. I'm TJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, in the wake of all that has happened already in 2021, we have some exciting news out of the wonderful state of Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer, Governor Whitmer, Big Gretch, as some people call her. Uh, she put it down for the Motown Sound, ladies and gentlemen. She has declared January 20th inauguration day for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. She's also uh, gone as far as declaring that uh, as a what's going on day, uh, named after the, the famous name, after the, the the song of the same name by the great and late uh, Marvin Gaye, Marvin Pence Gay. Uh, released his album in 1971, and uh, just so happens we have a Michigan resident on the call with us right now. This good brother has been here multiple times. Y'all know this brother. The voice is incredible. Uh, He's the CEO and founder of Huge Radio, uh, short for his name, in fact, UGE Radio, (laughs) right out there in the beautiful city of Flint, Michigan. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Mr. Eugene Brown. Mr. Brown, are you there?
2: I'm, I'm here, man. How you doing, Brother Rome?
1: Oh, man, we cool in the game. We trying to get through it, man. Man, How are you doing, man? I've, I've had people on from Michigan since mm-hmm. you were last here, and we were talking right. about everything leading up to the election. And y'all, man, how are you doing? Detroit? I know you're not in Detroit, I don't think. but well,
2: I'm, I'm 80 miles north of Detroit. But, you know, Detroit, I got a lot of family there. So Detroit is
1: nearly like my second home. Man, yep. y'all put it down in Thank this you. election. Y'all Thank did it. Y'all brought it on home. So before we talk about the what's going on day, mm-hmm. uh, how in the world did you get through this election cycle, good brother? What? what how, how did we get to this point with you? As far as... Well, just, man, I know you love music. You and I both love music, but oh. it's hard to extract what we love from this political environment we just came out of in Detroit, oh, yo, Michigan, yo. a swing state, a competitive state in every election cycle. Y'all just put it down in Detroit to the point you where know, they were targeting y'all as you know, trying to disenfranchise your vote. So yeah. uh, I was just wondering what, it, what, what you saw firsthand uh, out there in Flint and Detroit. Well, you know... Um, there's still a lot of, you know, quarantining going on,
2: you know, because of the coronavirus pandemic. So I didn't get an opportunity to, like, see firsthand. Um, there were a lot of people that I know that, you know, actually voted before election day, you know, you by go. casting in early ballots and what have you. Right. But, you know, man, I, you know, I don't want to espouse my spiritual beliefs on, on anybody, but I just put it in God's hands, whatever, you know, he yeah. felt, you know, was, you know, pertinent at this point, that was how it was going to be. You know, I'm well pleased that, you know, um, what transpired as a result of this year's election. Mm -hmm. Uh, And only time will tell if it was uh, something that's meaningful for everybody. So, you know, that everybody did exercise their right or as many as could exercise their right to cast a ballot, you know, kudos to them, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. and
1: Really, that's, you know, all I can really say on that on, on that note. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking yeah. of a note, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the home of the Motown Museum is right yes, out there sir. in Detroit. Good brother. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer, your governor out there, just made an amazing declaration on Inauguration Day on January 20th that will now live in perpetuity from this day forward. What can you tell us about uh, what Gretchen Whitmer has announced uh, and what do you feel it'll mean to the beautiful state of Michigan?
2: Well, I mean, when I, I, I actually saw it online, um, and I you know I kind of like did a you know shook my head a little bit because I, <laughs> excuse me, couldn't really believe what I was seeing, um, mm-hmm. and I think that her making that that um, designation is profound on so many levels, man. You know, for me personally, I, I didn't actually get an opportunity to experience the What's Going On album in its entirety. Mm. until maybe a month after Marvin's passing, though I was aware of the work and I had heard what's going on. Mercy, Mercy, Me, Inner City Blues, and right. what's going on flip side, the original version of God is Love. And, mm. you know, it was just even at the age of four, when that song came out, that's how old I was. I could tell even then, and it may sound hard to believe, but it was something different about that record. Mm. You know, the way I would see people's facial expressions when it would play. And this was, well, as I, be you know, got older and, and even after I, I understood the significance of the album mm-hmm. so that, you know, governor Whitmer did this speaks to not only Marvin's vision, but to um, what Barry Gordy accomplished as CEO, because a lot of people didn't know that uh, Barry Gordy did not want to release what's going on because he right. felt that, you know, Marvin Gaye at that point was, you know, a sex symbol, you know, a love man and all that. And it was a really risky proposition, especially for a black recording artist mm-hmm. to speak so vehemently against, you know, the war that was raging at that time, mm-hmm. different social and eco- economical issues that were, you know, affecting all facets of life at that time. Mm-hmm. That was a real radical departure. You know, not saying that there weren't artists that did it before but Motown was so profound in American culture at that time, you know, um, in its relevance or what have you. And I say that it's not now, but it was, you know, really a magical time for the company. Mm. I could understand, you know, Barry's resistance to, you know, but I understood Marvin's argument too. And, you know, they both found some kind of common ground and hey, the rest is history. And what Mm -hmm. Gretchen Whitmer did was just put her stamp on the fact that this, you know, Michigan-made product, you know, has stood and will stand the test of time.
1: Sure will. Sure yeah. Will. Tell me about it. I mean, I'm. it's interesting how posthumously you were able to enjoy the album in its entirety. Right. And um, I, I was also very young when that album came out. And I just remember seeing uh, this cat, man, a green, well, a black trench coat, the green album cover, rain coming mm-hmm. down. And uh, I remember years later, Ralph Tresvan of New Edition, tried to emulate that same album cover and look. And it was just so iconic of uh, the, just the, the conceptual and musical departure of that album and the, the social statement that it made. And, oh my God, how relevant is all of that today? Yes, sir. Uh, when you did finally have a chance to sit down and really appreciate what's going on as a, a, as a concept album, um, what were some of your takeaways about the experience of listening to such a, a politically, profoundly, contemporary, relevant piece of music coming out of uh, the Barry Gordy experience, one, but two, uh, making such a, a creative departure for Marvin Gaye, who up to that point was more of a, of a hit maker, a commercial, you know, not controversial, you know? So can you talk to us about that a little bit? Well,
2: when I first heard the album, I mean, it was for me, mind blowing because, <clears throat> excuse me, it was the, though I had listened to many albums albums in this entirety, you know, it just, you know, with the, the passing of Marvin at that time uh, and people, you know, in such heated discussion about what was his greatest work, you know, um, the first Marvin Gaye album, I think I listened to in this entirety, um, was the let's get it on album when i was Mm. probably six or seven years old Mm -hmm. and i I fell in love with the music i've really found it you know and i used to tease my mother so much you know when she was you know still you know with us you know i've just found it so amazing that for all of the music that you brought home you never brought home the what's going on album though she did Uh. you know like i said she had the the 45 of it and what have you Mm -hmm. and um She couldn't say anything. She couldn't answer as to why that wasn't the case. You know, I have no idea. But it was, like I said, it was more a a humorous gesture. But when I heard it, the lyrical content, man, the the Mm -hmm. production, the way it was segued, the way Mm -hmm. it was mixed. What's going on, uh, Brother Rome, is the only album that I really thoroughly researched. Mm. Uh, And I'm always, even to this day, you know, looking for some type of literature that, you know, talks about the creation of that, of that product. When, when um, like I said, when I first, you know, became aware of the album in terms of listening to it, I was in radio, just beginning my radio career. And what's going on was and continues to this day to be the blueprint that I use for anything that I do sonically. Mm. And, uh, you know, when I'm, you know, processing certain music to put on the station, you know, I'll always ask myself, and this is no joke, will it sound as good as what's going on, you know, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, as, as, a con, as an album, you know, in the mm-hmm. sonic quality. Um, I mean, it's just so much that can be said, you know, and, and kind of veering off, you know, but still staying on course, had it not been for what's going on. Or, you know, it may have taken a little longer for it to happen, but I don't think we would have ever got the opportunity to see Stevie reach his full potential. Um, I don't think we would have gotten an opportunity to see an artist like, you know, Prince do his thing Mm, only mm -hmm. because that album, you know, was just so revolutionary. Now, there were different albums that came before what's going on that kind of set the stage, you know, like. Isaac Hayes was you no know, hot butter soul album, which I think is mm-hmm. a great project. Yes. the stuff that Curtis Mayfield was doing, you know, yes. prior to the release of what's going on. But Marvin Gaye and being with Motown really popularized to me the idea of the, the, the thought that you could go in and create a, a great concept album mm. and still be just as sexy, just as relevant, you know. Uh, as you can be, you know, and if you ever get an opportunity, or if you, if you know, you haven't done so, which I'm sure you probably have, mm. just listen to how Marvin layers his voice on that album. Man. Mm. The multi tracks, oh, you know, and to me, that really wasn't even his best multi tracking work. When you get into the albums like I Want You and Again, Hear My Dear and, mm-hmm. and things like that, and even the stuff he did on the Midnight Love album, you can see that, you know, he, he mastered the idea. But the the foundation was definitely on that album. Nicholas Mays out of the city of Flint, Michigan, and you're listening to DJ Rome on Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul.
1: KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're just chopping it up with the good brother Eugene Brown out of Michigan. we we, we breaking it down for uh, What's Going On Day, uh, now declared by Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, to live in perpetuity. Uh, she said it by no coincidence on Inauguration Day, uh and you just heard eugene brown breaking down the fact that the the content of what's going on released in 1971 coming up on its 50th anniversary man if they were releasing that album today i think they call it what's really going on because as you (laughs) said exclamation
2: point on the back with an exclamation (laughs)
1: point because man or this is still going on yeah i mean it's crazy all those things and i would love to i got to check out that uh live album you're talking about because If he recorded that in 1972, it's a very strong likelihood that he had some of the Funk brothers with him.
2: Uh, The story behind that album, yes, the Funk, some of the Funk, several of the Funk brothers did uh, perform. And also the Andantes, Motown's renowned background, female background vocalist, you know, who added the the female texture to the What's Going On album. Uh. They performed live with Marvin on that date as well. Mm. And, Mary and Barry and uh, Barry was the MC of that show that night.
1: Uh, former DC mayor. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Eugene Yum. Brown dropping the the receipts, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, on psychotic bump food. Well, what? Yeah, man. That that's some great stuff, man. Because you know, standing in the shadows of Motown was such an eye opening documentary for me. It yes. Came out in 2002, and it, uh, they they talked about what's going on and what it mm-hmm. meant for them and how they just poured their whole heart and soul in it just based on the inspiration from Marvin. And they just went in and laid it down. You know, them cats were all about jazz. You know, yes, they, were, yes. they were serious, serious musicians. And, you know, most of them have passed on now, yeah. but um Robert White, Eddie Willis and Joe Messina on guitar. You got mm-hmm. Joe Hunter, Earl Van Dyke. Yes. And great. I mean, that's not even all of them. I mean, Jack Ashford, you got Bongo mm-hmm. Brown, but the 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 legend, the the hook, Mr. James <laughs> Jamerson, dude. I'm in so
2: glad day. you. I'm so glad you mentioned James Jamerson's name, um, because Sorry. in the book, you know, uh, by Ben Edmonds, "What's Going On" in the last days of the Motown sound, uh, it's noted that James Jamerson, and it was kind of a funny situation. You saw the movie where uh, Mm -hmm. Jack Ashford had made mention that, you know, uh, Brother Jamerson was so inebriated that he recorded his bass line while laying on his back. Yes. And, but there was another note to that. Mm. Um, According to the author, when James Jamerson got home that night, he woke his wife up and he said that he felt that for the first time in his career, he recorded a classic. And he was talking about that, what's going on. I mean, again, man, when you Mm. listen to it, Mm. I mean, and I I can ask you from one radio person to another, when you look back, you know, what can you really compare what's going on to? Mm. You know, you can hear certain songs and like, oh man, that reminds me of such and such and such, but... I think you kind of nailed it. Anything. I can't yeah, think same
1: of- here. Same yeah. here. I think you kind of nailed it when you uh, mentioned one of his contemporaries and Curtis Mayfield, mm-hmm. because that era was so predicated upon just a real listening experience where they were connecting songs to each other. It wasn't just a, a series of singles on an album, oh. but it was the the whole album was conceptual. So it was telling a story from beginning, middle, yeah. and end. Yeah. So you you had it, that that was that was rare that was different at that time and mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody that sort of planted the flag so staunchly than Marvin Gaye with that What's Going On project yeah. and of course yeah we're talking about Curtis and you mentioned Isaac Hayes before yeah. and then yes I think that did give a lot more creative license to Stevie Wonder as you said because mm-hmm. later on you know he's dropping uh, fulfilling this and um songs on the key of life i yes, mean sir. just talking about interventions yeah interventions i mm-hmm. mean come on it just changed the game it's like that's people it. just got deeper into their their their, their blackness deeper mm-hmm. into their their social justiceness if that's a word mm-hmm. and man if i could think of a I could probably, if I ponder my mind long enough, Eugene, I could probably think of some people who have tried to sort of capture the essence. And I guess the the world of hip hop would be, uh, you know, a distant cousin because you know Public Enemy, they were trying to, you know, in their heyday, in their prime, were were trying to wake the people up, wake the populace up that had gone to sleep in that hip hop generation in the late '80s, and they were sampling, of course, music from that era. Mm-hmm. and um people like um of course we were talking about prints of the times but the the it's is there's something about being one of the first to be the progenitor of yes. something it, there's nothing like the person or the the figures that lay down the blueprint for all to emulate that that come after there, there's nothing like the original and i would have to say what's going on was certainly yeah. an original I mean, I mean, that era of like all that music that was coming out of that little bitty place in your State, brother, and where you at, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you wanna hear something really ironic about that?
2: And I, I didn't find this out, man, and I knew about it, but I didn't get the full details about it hmm. probably eight or nine years ago. Are you familiar with the release that um, Universal did called the Complete Motown Single Set? I should What they released, yeah, the last set, um, they talked about a place in Owasso, Michigan, called Ameri- the Amer- American Record Pressing Company. Mm. And come to find out, man, that spot, which, you know, burnt down back in 1972, is 20 minutes, that location, the, the spot that it, you know, was, uh, that it, the foundation is 20 minutes from my front door. Mm. Um, and I hope to one day, Get an opportunity to go and just look at where that place used to stand because, you know, we talk about the what's going on record and all of the, you know, early Motown releases. A lot of those records, if not all, that for this region of the country were pressed at that spot. So, mm. um, but something else I want to add to our discussion with what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, sure. And this is kudos to brother Clarence Avon. Clarence wow. Avon. um yes. Was the executive producer of a movie that came out in 1973 called Save the Children. Mm-hmm. And it's not that big of a coincidence that a title of the song, yes. Save the Children, came from What's Going On. Come on. So not only did it have uh, inspiration lyrically, you know, on mm-hmm. celluloid, it, it inspired too, because that was a great uh, film for people that got an opportunity to
1: see it when it came out. I, I vividly recall that one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, so that. Thank you for bringing that up because yeah. that documentary that came out uh, a year or two ago on Clarence Avant. Yes. I remember him talking about that because they, yeah. they created a whole concert around that concept, right? Yes, Where, indeed. yes and, indeed. And it became um, a bit of a, a I don't know a bootleg, but it, it kind of uh, I don't know how successful it was. I mean it. It's, I know it's available if you if you look for it, certainly, but do you yeah. know how well critically received it was? I don't think that it was like what you could call a
2: blockbuster, mm-hmm. but you gotta also remember too that Wattstacks had just came out a year before.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it, if it didn't do that well, um, I would have to say that maybe people just felt like it was a, you know like a Wattstacks 2 or whatever the case may have been mm-hmm. uh, because there were some similarities. But I, I really do hope, man, that as we approach the 50th anniversary, which will be in a couple of years of the, that movie being released, mm. I really do hope that it gets an official release. Yeah. I think that that film, because it was, um, you know, that was for Operation Push, mm-hmm. um, and it did. It has some stellar artists. Um, we talked about okay. Curtis Mayfield, the main ingredient. The old days. um, Of course, Marvin, the Jackson Five. um, I think Ramsey Lewis was even on that, in that movie. And Sammy Davis Jr., who um, was embroiled in a bit of a controversy at that time, Mm -hmm. found redemption, you know, at that event. So, Mm -hmm. and that one, man, when I saw that, I'm not gonna lie, man, that one brought tears in my eyes, because I knew Sammy was, uh, was going through some issues, man, but to see the pain that you know, and trying to, you know, defend his position, man, that was, that was heart-wrenching, bro.
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was the one. Yeah. He stood in front yeah. of the crowd. They were kind of hostile and boom, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Because he supported the former president Nixon, you know. And ah, yes. Yeah, which, yes. Yeah, man. that was, that was a little deep. So, I mean, th- that's a part of our history, man, a part of, you know, the fabric of our culture and, you know, and it needs to be seen. But again, I can't, you know, talk about the fact that had it not been for what's going on, mm.
1: it might have been a, something similar, but it wouldn't have been called Save the Children. Oh, for <laughs> sure, <for> sure. <laughs> and um, I'm looking it up a little bit now. It's directed by uh, the father of the great actress, Sanaa Lathan, uh, directed okay. by Anne Lathan. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: that's right. That is right. Yeah. yeah, He wasn't he wasn't he was, yeah. he was, he was in, um in Clarence Avon's documentary, right?
1: He was, I believe so. OK, oh, I thought right. I remember. OK, yeah. The, the yeah, Black yeah, Godfather yeah. is the one I keep yeah. referencing. And man, I, did you, I, I'm did. i sure you you passed by that one. But I, I loved The Black Godfather because- Oh, man, I, you
2: know, I, I, not only do I love it, man, <laughs> I was able to locate a commemorative pictorial uh, that was really mm-hmm. um, with that book, man. And it has some, you know, a few things that weren't in the documentary. But that's a documentary, I'm um, not going to lie, Brother Rome, I watch at least once a month. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, I, I had the distinct pleasure, you know, of meeting Clarence Avon back mm-hmm. in 2012. Mm. And I'm not gonna go into a big spiel about it, but yeah. some of the successes that I've had with Huge Radio, um, I'm not gonna say that he's contributed anything to it. I don't wanna give that, you know, paint that picture because that's that would not be factual but he spoke some profound words, man, that I'm not gonna lie, within a relatively short amount of time mm. came to pass. So when I watched that documentary, I could watch it with a lot of pride because a lot of what's motivated me, man, came from, you know, from his mouth directly. Wow. So you know my, my, my kudos to, to, to Clarence Avon for holding it down and keeping it moving.
1: Uh, that's why they call him the Black Godfather, brother. Yeah. I mean, yep. he, he loves his people. And uh, you're absolutely right to, uh, to reference him. Uh, the very first time uh, the name Clarence Avon was spoken on any show that I was hosting on KCWG came from um, our mutual friend, A. Scott Galloway. Okay. And yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Were, we weren't even planning on speaking about him, but he said, man, you know, I'm happy to be here with you today, Rome. And I just finished meeting, uh, had a long lunch today with uh, Clarence Avon. I'm like, uh, okay, wait wait, 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 hold up. You can't just drop that down here without breaking down who Clarence Avon is. It's like, I know who he is, but you have to share. This is what I told Scott. You have to share why it's so important that we we talk and name check and give our flowers to the good brother Clarence Avon because yeah. of, you know, what you just shared. I mean, the lay person, I mean, I mean, did he know you from Adam to drop all that insight and wisdom onto you, Eugene Brown? I mean, no,
2: we we were, we were, I was at an event in LA and, mm-hmm. um, and it was one of those kind of events that, you were there because you were supposed to be kind of, you know. Okay. Um, so we were introduced by a mutual acquaintance. And I, obviously I knew who he was. And, you know, Clarence Avon, and it was so funny watching the uh, the documentary, man, because the way you see Clarence Avon on that documentary mm. is how he is. That's, that's <laughs> kind of, you know, and, uh, or Mr. Avon. And so okay. when we were talking, man, he, I was kind of trying not to laugh. I wanted to stay as serious as possible because he was going through his thing, but he was making a point, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I took from it, you know, because I was trying to downplay what I was doing. My goal is to always try to stay humble, you know, and not Mm -hmm. get into what I call the adjectives of whatever it is I'm accomplishing. You know, if people Mm want to give me kudos, then I know I humbly receive them, but I always feel like when you start feeding into the adjectives of what you do, you kind of, you know, lose focus of what you need to be paying attention to. So mm-hmm. when um, he was talking, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, and so, and not, i not you know, obviously I can't verbatim say what he said for right, right. censorship reasons, but you know, right. he was basically saying, hey man, you know, just get out there and do what you gotta do. You know, what you're doing mm-hmm. is important. It's gonna have some relevance. You may not realize it now, Mm. Here we are, you know, nine years later, and it's been so much, man, that is, has happened. And and you, I have to give you props too, man. You are a, a big part of it. You know, you helped, you know, in your way, you know, get the name Huge Radio out there. And kudos to oh. to Aaron, you know, Aaron Wiley, you know, for for introducing us. We're ah, true. yes,
1: great um, Aaron Wiley Sands. That's yeah, right. We
2: did the how we my first time being on your show. We were having a discussion about power. <laughs> That was the first one? That was the first one. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And
1: uh, which is still even, you know, Power Ghost Book 2, one of my favorite, you know, TV shows. Man, are uh-huh. you, I, I can't, man. I mean, well, first of all, I'm tripping that that, because I, I feel like I've known you, like, you know, uh-huh. music does that. Music, music <laughs> yeah. makes you feel like you've had friends forever. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But, yeah, I forgot that that was the first one. That was the first one.
2: And I forgot Aaron, about that. You know, and you know what's really really weird about that? Aaron and I have never met. Isn't that something? We have never met. Um she had um I it was so funny. I was looking at an episode of um Who was the show that Tatiana Ali had? Um Love That Girl, named okay, after yeah. the Raphael Sadiq song. And she yes. was on an episode of that, and I'm like, I remember oh, her. Oh, okay. And I, I sent her a Facebook friend request, and I really mm-hmm. honestly did not think that she was going to accept because we didn't uh-huh. have, you know, a lot of mutual friends. I think it might have been two or three. Mm-hmm. but she, she accepted. And um, and, you know, we she just, you know, she brings me up to date on a lot of things, which she does all of her, her friends and follows mm-hmm. on, on politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, kind of just, wow. You know, and that's how we we used to have power chats every week. Like, what did you think about this? Yeah. What did you think about that? And the next thing I knew, she sent me an uh, uh, inbox. She said, "Check your inbox." Yeah. It's like this guy wants to do a power summit. You know? it? I mean? And I'm like, absolutely. So, oh wow. Yeah.
1: That was the first Man. time. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, because like I said, it's like I feel like I've known you longer than that. Likewise. Uh, yeah, and Aaron, Aaron is definitely good peeps, man. And uh she's she's humble, uh, mm-hmm. but she she does some amazing work. She's definitely helped us out with politics on this program as well. I have I watched one episode of Power Book 2. I can't get into it. It's like it's something about Tariq, man. And and it's cool that you know, I see it trending whenever it comes on, and people, mm-hmm. people like it. I mean, people have a different view of Tariq now in this, you know, this rendition of power, this mm-hmm. generation of power. Uh, compared to, you know, the season that we were talking about before. But I tell you, man, um, that that's amazing. Um, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're chopping it up with my good longtime buddy uh, out of the East Coast, the good brother Eugene Brown of Huge Radio. Uh, he's just breaking down, man. We started talking about Marvin Gaye and uh, uh, Governor Whitmer declaring what's going on day. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about music and just just everything. Uh, I have a quote real, real quick before I let you go uh, from Gretchen Whitmer herself. Uh, she says, quote, uh, having this tribute on the calendar provides us with an important moment, one where we can come together as a unified state to pause, reflect, and appreciate the need for ideas, perspective, love, and understanding. These are values that mean more today than ever before through the recognition of what's going on day we hope to bring awareness to Marvin Gaye's profound words as his timeless music remains in our hearts and minds and continues inspiring in generations inspiring generations to come that's from governor Gretchen Whitmer good brother from your great state of Michigan Gretchen gets it you know and for her you know given how much she's had to endure to uh you know, adhere to coronavirus uh, mm-hmm. restrictions. I mean, she was not uh, given an easy ride for that. I mean, she's had her life threatened. She was the subject of a kidnap plot mm-hmm. that was, uh, you know, thankfully derailed. But right. for her to have the the presence of mind to, to do this, uh, to, especially, if, you know, on behalf of a cultural, you know, a beloved figure in black households like Marvin Gaye, because, you know, look at what, This conversation has, you know, segued into from just what Marvin Gaye did with what's going on, because it's so relevant. I mean, it connects and ties into everything. It's like a multi headed hydra Mm -hmm. of things that it overlaps. It's such a Venn diagram of relevance with this project. And, uh, I'm looking forward now to celebrating it every year, good brother. So Absolutely. um, I'm happy to share this moment with you. Uh, Your final thoughts on all of this, uh, you're gonna be in the city of Michigan. I don't anticipate, excuse me, the state of Michigan. I don't anticipate you're gonna be leaving your beautiful state anytime soon, but you're gonna be able to celebrate this uh, occasion every single year from this point forward, good brother. So what are your final thoughts about uh, what's going on day now in the state of Michigan?
2: Well, you know, the one thing I will say is I actually celebrate what's going on the album day every May 21st, That's and I happening. have for years. Um, I, you yes. know, I wake up that morning and I'll, I'll play the album, you know, a couple of times. But what I I, I want to add is, you know, for those that understood the trials and tribulations that Marvin had to, you know, go through personally, and then growing up at the time, that he grew up, in. you know, Marvin Gaye was born in 1939. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, um, and in Washington DC of all places. Right. And so um, the fact that his, one of his, I will say one of his greatest works was recognized on the 50th anniversary of his release on inauguration day, right. which took place in his birth home of Washington DC. Ah. That right there just says it all. It does. You know, it does well. we're recognizing the highest office in mm. this country, you mm. know, and Marvin Gaye's music, you know, spoke to the masses that day. You know, wow. I know for huge radio, man, I played that record and the flip side. God is love at the top of every hour for twenty four consecutive hours. Mm. That was my my, you know, my musical
1: tribute to to the occasion. Wow.
2: So, yeah, that's
1: beautiful, beautiful. And you said May 21st is your birthday, right?
2: No, May 1st is my
1: birthday, but May, May 21st is 20, What's Going On Day, the album. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. I knew it was somewhere in there because I was going to throw in yeah. just that that Motown uh, connection because uh, you know the song Papa Was a Rolling Stone by the, the Great Temptations, mm-hmm. uh, guitar track laid down by the late great Wawa Watson. Yes, sir. Uh, the, the first lyric of that song is, it was the 3rd of September. That and did I you know that, that? Did you and know that's that my that birthday?
2: Did you know that that wasn't originally released by
1: the Temptations? <laughs> who? Okay, so that's a, a Norman Whitfield thing. So it ain't no telling how many renditions he has. So yeah, wh- wh- who did it before them?
2: The undisputed truth.
1: That's right. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Yes. You're right. And Norman Whitfield, man, we could do a whole another show on Norman Whitfield alone. Because well, you all know, the renditions of his songs are just
2: killer. Do you know? Um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't know how that slipped my mind. <laughs> From 1968 to 1970, you know, Norman Whitfield was Marvin Gaye's primary producer. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it all started with I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Yes. Um, Norman Whitfield um is documented told Marvin that Marvin really needed to focus on producing himself. You know, he had all of the mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. He had the relationship with the musicians because Marvin Gaye, when he came into Motown was a drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he toured with the Miracles as their drummer for, you know, mm-hmm. for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And it was something that Norman Whitfield saw in Marvin that let him mm-hmm. know, man, you know, you, are you know, you've had, you've transcended mm-hmm. just being a, an, an Uh, artist which is nothing wrong with being an artist but he just felt like marvin had something that you know that he wanted or needed to say you know he had did the stuff with the originals uh Mm -hmm. baby i'm for real and the bells. he did some some tracks with the monitors that came out later on um as a matter of fact um god is love uh was a back was the original backing track for something that he did on the monitors back in 1968 so Norman definitely saw the evolution and saw Marvin's potential. Mm. So, you know, we can't even go any further without saying, you know, thank God that Norman had that vision uh, uh, because had he not encouraged or pushed Marvin, we may not have ever gotten what's going on. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. And also, too, um, I want to, you know, say posthumously uh, much love to Ronaldo, Obi Benson of the Four top absolutely and, uh, al cleveland because they were the ones mm-hmm. that brought what's going on to marvin uh initially mm-hmm.
0: yeah good yeah. brother
1: it's, it's such a joy uh like you said we could be here all day <laughs> <laughs> talking about this stuff what's the best way for people to follow you good brother uh, huge radio is going on right now What well, uh, we do it. yeah go ahead Inspired, yeah, do. no doubt no less by the great clarence avon In some yes respect. so where yeah. can we find huge radio
2: you can go to hugeradio.com. that's e-u-g-e-r-a-d-i-o.com um and you can also google us we're you know on a lot of you know different um it'll come up in several different categories but it's simple you know i I invite everybody to check us out in fact um this is sunday but every sunday um 6 p.m eastern time that will be three o'clock you guys time Mm-hmm. I do a four-hour block of uh, of nothing but Motown and a Motor City soul-oriented music, you know. So we play the the Motown stuff, the Westbound, the Invictus, um, ah, yes, uh, Fortune. I mean, it was so many labels
1: yes. that came out of Detroit in this heyday. So that was that's my tribute to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Ooh, <laughs> I love the Invictus Day. That was Chairman of yeah. the Board and Holland Holland yeah. Honeycomb. Yeah, Honeycomb. Ooh. Yeah, honey cone uh
2: mckinley jackson who served as marvin gaye's musical director for many years okay. he was an invictus artist the eighth wow. day um
1: yes yeah um, what was the what was the uh the, the white woman that played with funkadelic what was her name uh, know, ruth Ruth copeland wasn't she on it? yeah invictus?
2: ruth copeland i think she she was if i'm not mistaken man she had the first invictus release yeah I back think in so. 1969 and um the, the white band, the Flaming Ember, who yes. hit the top with Westbound number nine. You know, that was ah. all
1: like this. yeah. Yep, the, the, <laughs> the white guy that sounds like George Clinton. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, crazy. It's, it's like, man, it's like, I never made that connection when I was young listening to that song, but mm-hmm. listen to the gruff of his voice, I'm like, dang, he does sound like George Clinton.
2: <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, and George Clinton the Parliament Funkadelic uh, under the, you know, under the first incarnation of Parliament. Yeah. They were on Invictus.
1: Yeah. I I think was the name of that album. Yeah. Yes. Wow. What a history lesson with Eugene. Wow. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 530 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guest for the evening, licensed clinical social worker, Casey Phillips Brown, as well as the good brother, Eugene Brown of Huge Radio out of Michigan. Also want to send a very special shout out to Frank Starks, who's the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. We'll see you next week. Take care.